You know those little red stickers? That means spoiled. You're eating bad meat, boy. Hello, and welcome to Are You Karate Kidding Me? Your source for news, reviews, recaps, and items of interest from all around the Miyagi-verse. I'm your host, Colin Canaday. And I'm your host, Jenny Carlson. And we are back in the saddle for yet more Cobra Kai recaps on the lead-up to Season 4. Can you believe it? It's, you know, Season 4 is just around the corner already. It is breathing down my neck. And let me tell you, it came on fast. We hit a good rhythm. We got a lot of we got a lot of stuff to do. We got we got to book it. We do have to burn through these last few episodes before uh, season four drops on December thirty first. I believe it's the thirty first, but in my understanding, it might be the early morning of the thirty first. Oh, that's how that always goes. It has it? to be because yeah. I mean, technically, yes, December 31st. I'm telling myself that that means it's the early morning of the 31st, which means that I can, you know, just pull an all-nighter and then use the mm-hmm. rest of the holiday weekend to rewatch and then recover. Fair. And we will probably have our usual bounty of reaction and then recap episodes after that. Yes. But yeah, so we've got, we still got a few weeks to go, and I think if we really get on it, we can probably... Uh, get through these last three recaps by December 31st. Maybe <laughs> the final recap uh, for the season comes out on like December 29th or, you know what, Christmas Day. Why not? Uh, I would prefer for the final recap to come out on December 19th because that's All Valley Tournament Day. Ooh, I like that thinking. At least in the original Karate Kid trilogy. We're here with our episode seven recap, season three, episode seven. But before we get into that, we've got our usual items of interest from all around the Miyagi-verse to get through. What's our first item of interest? Folks, the hottest item off the press is that Cobra Kai has received three People's Choice Award nominations. That's right. What are those categories? Uh, Well, according to my notes here, let me just check. Uh, The award nominations are for Show of 2021, Best Drama of 2021, and Most Binge-Worthy Show of 2021. Now, the real crime of this is that, much like with the Emmys, I think that as bingeable as Cobra Kai is, I think it's out of the running for most binge-worthy of 2021 because because a certain little game featuring a certain uh, squid came out between the last time we talked about uh, Cobra Kai and now. I think people are just enamored with Squid Game right now, and I think it's going to... And Cobra Kai is not the freshest thing on their minds. It's the freshest thing on my mind, sir. Don't come after the messenger. I'm just saying that... Well, listen, let's not give... That people love Squid Game. Halloween just happened. Tons of people were in Squid Game costumes. Tons of people were dressed up like Cobra Kai characters. That's true, And not just on on my fan feeds, like Friends... We know we're dressed up in Miyagi-verse apparel. I mean, it is a much easier Halloween costume for also, certain. Also, you're not playing someone who's going to die. Look, I don't get it. Once again, I don't personally get it, but I'm we just We refer saying. you to Watch Party's analysis of Squid Game to make it all make sense. In the meantime, here is how you can help Cobra Kai win all three of those People's Choice Awards. Go to the People's Choice website and vote. You can vote, apparently, up to 25 times. This That's is, true. This is from John Hurwitz's Twitter, not mine. 
and the People's Choice Awards will be up until, like, the voting will be up until November 17th. You have no excuse not to log on at least once a day. I mean, first, donate to your favorite charity of choice, or multiple ones. Mm-hmm. You know, take care of the care and feeding, and then go on and vote for Cobra Kai. This is one of the That's only right. times I will encourage you to stuff the ballot box. Indeed. Because yes. this is not determining the course of American democracy. This is determining our soul. Yeah. Well... That's true. But uh, once again, like, yeah, uh, voter fraud doesn't count when it's uh, Hollywood gold statues on the line, right? Well, just ask PricewaterhouseCoopers about that. Mm, indeed. Wow. <laughs> also, the season four trailer dropped. It mm-hmm. was very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whenever we're waiting for a trailer, we always kind of know it's coming. And, and I know it's going to be exciting and the fandom will freak out. And it happened and we did. You know, it was a good trailer. Uh, I mean, it's still up there. On all the usual places uh, that you can see it. You know, I wouldn't give it a gold medal, but I might give it a silver. Wink. Wink. What was your favorite moment from the trailer? Uh, <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, there's a lot to really unpack with that trailer. Just seeing Johnny and Daniel team up and then be immediately at odds with each other again pretty much tells you everything you need to know about Cobra Kai as a series. Johnny pretending to crane kick Daniel was high on my list of, of things I wanted to see. For sure. Uh, also their, their happy fist bump. Um, and just them training. Like, I feel like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's like the best Rocky movie, but it, it's happening of course in the Miyagi verse when I see those, this, this footage of them training. And, and also that little angle on Terry Silver training where he looks exactly like he looked like they have the camera on him exactly the way mm-hmm. he looked. Anyway, I'm saying this presuming y'all have seen the trailer. This is not an analysis of that. So if you're wanting to see it, it's available to you. And, you know, by the time you hear this, you, there might be another one, although we're dropping this right after we record the intro. So um, I, what I, you know, one thing that I have said before, I will say again, is that if past trailers or any indication trailers for past seasons, we've got a big dose of excitement, but we haven't seen anything yet in terms of what's coming for this season. So that's really great. Yeah, I think we've also already mentioned that season five is taping right now. That's what all the Honeycrisp season hype was about, that it was going to happen in the fall. Despite the fact that Peter from Cobra Kai Companion had a dream or a nightmare that it would drop in March of 2022, it will probably come later in the year, but that's all happening at the same time. So there's a lot of fun little things creeping around social media because they're shooting at the moment. Again, only the master control program at Netflix knows when Netflix is going to drop. They're all servants of the algorithm over there, you know. So only only the mysterious ways of the algorithm will tell them when to drop that uh, season five. But, you know, that's that's distant future stuff by comparison. One other nugget for season five speculation is that Martin Cove, bless his heart, is no longer on Dancing with the Stars, despite his very powerful Cobra Kai intro. So, yeah, he, he's he, also available for season five. Exactly, yeah. Uh, Cove on Dancing with the Stars. Like Icarus, he he showed up, burned brightly, but a little too close to the sun. Even though even though cobras can dance, right? They can dance. Cobras they're, can dance. They're a dancing snake. <laughs> cobras can dance. Look for it on Netflix this fall. Exactly. We've scored over the fact that Cobra Kai was at the Emmys, and although we didn't get to see the showrunners and Kelly Pinkett on the actual broadcast, uh, aside from the moments like that Cobra Kai was recognized for being nominated for Best Comedy Series, the uh, para footage on Twitter of all of them getting ready and dressed up, and it was just a really great time 
to be on Twitter and watching the Emmys with the fans. While I would have loved to see them win, I feel like the nomination was a win for me. And I was just so happy to know that they were at that party and, and getting the revels they so richly deserved. Oh, yeah. And the Emmys were great. Like, I think that... I think there's a element of the fan base out there that is a little upset that Cobra Kai didn't get the props it deserved, and it certainly deserves props, but I think those people may have also underestimated what a 900-pound gorilla a certain southern twangy soccer coach is this year. Like, yeah, Emmy voters just love that guy. You know, personally, I don't get it, but, uh, you know, what can you do? I'm in it for the shortbread. Indeed. Maybe if Cobra Kai had just had more shortbread. I would love to see uh, Cobra Kai take the take the stuffing out of uh, Ted Lasso <laughs> a little bit by having like you know they poach Coach Beard and make him a make him a sensei. Oh, uh, that would be amazing. I was thinking just like maybe Daniel shows up to Johnny's office with cookies for no reason. Like, oh my god. <laughs> And Johnny would be like, these are made with margarine, man. Somebody somebody puts like a Believe poster up in the dojo and Johnny just comes by and rips it down. Okay, that. <laughs> Showrunners. Showrunners. I know you're listening. It's not, it's not the writers. Too, it's I know you're listening. Not too late to just film a quick insert shot of that. That plus LaRusso Mance is on our 2022 <laughs> wish list. Are you going to give us what we want? Give the people what they want. Basically, what I'm suggesting Give is that, the, is that the best way for Cobra Kai to increase its uh, profile even more is to basically start a rap beef with uh, Ted Lasso. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. So I should also note that at the top of the pod, uh, you heard Ed Asner's voice. Mm-hmm. And we plug that in there to pay tribute to him. We lost Ed Asner uh, in late August, early September. We loved Ed Asner very, very much. That's right. Very much. And he was key, I think, for me to giving Cobra Kai the reality effect, effect with season one, like the grounding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when Johnny comes in and there's the scene that that clip is excerpted from, um, you know, Ed Asner is just, his presence is so strong that you're like, oh, this is really happening. I mean, in addition to getting all the, the classic uh, Karate Kid actors back, getting Ed Asner in... As Johnny's uh, antagonistic, shall we say, stepdad is probably one of the smartest pieces of casting they did because, you know, your mind immediately just like flips all the switches and is just like, of course, like they would have cast him if he had been a character in the original 80s movies. And so they cast him today. Great character actor, great legacy actor of that era, you know, still working, still doing like, um, you know, the Mark Maron show and all that stuff. Uh, and so, yeah, it was really, really smart to get him on Cobra Kai when they had the chance. And, you know, he always had such wonderful things to say about Cobra Kai. And he was a wonderful man. Like, he did so much for the industry and beyond for working people. He had such a strong sense of perspective. And, you know, he was, it was sort of like the same, just watching him brought the same delight as someone like Don Rickles. But he also had this talent to inhabit these characters with that energy in a unique way for every character. Um, and so... I was just thrilled that because also like since they didn't have another older actor come in, right? right? Pat Meridia is no longer alive, but they needed someone with those chops. Ed Asner absolutely inspired. So yeah, we were really sorry to lose him and just wanted to highlight that. And we also have a clip from Billy Zabka's relatively recent appearance on Mark Maron. Oh yeah, speaking of Mark Maron, Ta- yeah, Billy was on the actual Mon- Mark Maron podcast. Yeah, he was on WTF, which I don't think we talked about, but it's great. I mean, I just assume you guys know, but 
Um, here's a little clip of Billy talking about the generosity of Ed Asner. Oh, yeah. He, he plays my estranged dad. Yeah. I met him two minutes ago, and he goes, uh, we do a rehearsal. And he calls me over, and he says, uh, hey, how am I, you know, is there anything else I can give you? I said, no, you're doing great. I said, you know, how about you? Are you doing anything? He goes, oh, f- go fuck yourself. <laughs> I said, and I was like, he did it in character, and he rattled me, and he got me in this place. And I'm like, shit, is that Asner really saying that? I'm like, no, he's doing this device, <laughs> which he does all the time off camera. Great to think about that. Um, and always delightful to think about these two bullies coming together and actually being real sweethearts inside, right? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So thank you, Ed Asner. And also thanks to Billy and thanks to Mark Marin, who doesn't know we're excerpting him here. I mean, it's a matter of the public record now, so I've got no problem with it. Without further ado, do you have any other items of interest? No, I think that just about does it. So shall we get into it? Let's do it. Well, then here we go with Cobra Kai Season 3, Episode 7, Obstaculos. Obstaculos. <laughs> So we open at Miyagi-Do inside the dojo where Sam is practicing in front of Mr. Miyagi's picture. Yeah, we open on Miyagi. So Sam walks outside to take a break, drink from her water bottle, and then she looks up and drops her water bottle to the ground because she has spotted Tori waiting to confront her in the garden. Tori showing up very auspiciously and seemingly out of nowhere, and it very rapidly becomes... Uh, a 1v1 Tori v Sam and at this point I gotta ask is Tori the saber tooth to Samantha's Wolverine? What's wrong Wolverine? You always liked pushing around people smaller than you. Try pushing me! Well then, as we let you guys noodle over that, we see Tori's really kind of just shit-talking Sam and Sam is fighting back but as it gets physical, Tori really has the upper hand here. She's just always playing a little rougher and getting the drop on Sam. So, you know, she eventually kind of throws Sam off one of the decks, gets her on the ground, headbutts her. Sam is being backed up against the rocks that line the pond. And it's not too long before Tori kicks Sam to the ground and she concusses herself on a rock and thinks about Miguel falling down the stairs. It's very interesting the way they play this fight scene as... It goes on, Sam's PTSD kind of kicks in and she kind of gets stiffer and stiffer as Tori continues to get the upper hand. Until oh, finally, yep. Tori dunks Sam's head into the koi pond and it's a very upsetting close-up of her face as she's starting to drown. But then, oh, she wakes up. It turns out it was the title card all along. I'm really glad that we saw some behind-the-scenes footage of Peyton List and Mary Mauser smiling when shooting the next. It's actually pretty scary. Uh-huh. Now we cut to, as the, as the credits roll, we cut to Reseda Flats, mm-hmm. where Johnny and Miguel are doing a round of physical therapy using keg lifts, going over PVC hurdles, and, man, it looks like he's on his crutches like stilts. Yeah, once again, Johnny is engaging in this kind of blue-collar... PT physical therapy as he calls Miguel some ableist slurs and <laughs> he's tossing the medicine ball at him while he's using the crutches but like in all good karate kid media 
There's no problem that's not solved with a good montage. And this was a very good montage. It was. The montage is scored with I Wanna Be Somebody by Wasp. If they sound familiar, they are a West Coast metal band that helped get us those parental advisories on records. And Tipper Gore. Really? Yeah, Tipper Gore is responsible for those. Oh my god, I thought you meant Tipper Gore was in Wasp. That would have been ironic. Maybe that's why she and Al split. Maybe. We're thinking about... By the end of it, Johnny and Miguel are taking the wheelchair and the crutches to donate them straight into the dumpster. Yeah, donating is a generous word for that. I get the visual parallel to Johnny and Miguel walking out of Reseda Flats together from season two, but throwing the stuff away is kind of out of character for Miguel. I like to imagine that he, like, scuttles back later. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> as, as the son of a nurse, like, just dumping perfectly good medical equipment in the dumpster seems a little out of character but yeah we'll just retcon that into uh miguel sneaking back at night to recover that stuff so thus far in this episode uh we have seen two of the major hurdles two of the obstaculos that the characters are facing right Mm -hmm. on one hand we see sam still being held back by her fear of tori Mm -hmm. and her trauma and then on the other we see miguel getting past the literal physical hurdles that johnny has put in front of him and now he and johnny are going to confront a different hurdle yeah we're late the season and some fates are starting to change some alignments miguel started this season very much out of the action and now he's back literally back on his feet you know sam ended last year with a big trauma that she still has to process And we'll also see some other characters process their trauma. But what Johnny's trying to process right now is his message to Allie from the previous episode. He's asking Miguel, How long does it take for Facebook messages to get delivered? Allie lives in Colorado, so probably a while, right? It's instantaneous. And Miguel's like, have you used a computer? Oh, wait, never mind. I already know the answer to this. Exactly. (laughs) But meanwhile, Miguel is trying to come up with names for the dojo. Mm Mm-hmm. He's like, all-American, what could they do? They need something badass. So Johnny suggests that they just do a Cobra Kai with a K. He says they can call it Triple K. He tries to do uh, what Krusty did and, and do a Krusty the Clown comedy classic. It's great to be back at the Apollo Theater. Not really going to work Cause Miguel, because of the abbreviation. Indeed. KKK, that's not good. <laughs> it's a problematic abbreviation. <laughs> Cut to the LaRusso manse where Daniel and Amanda are waiting for Sam. Daniel's once again made the, the tea he brought from Okinawa. He's pushing his Okinawa. I brewed up some of that tea that I brought back from Okinawa. Anytime this guy goes to Japan, he just comes back and he's insufferable for a while. He's isn't a he? new man. Yeah. You guys are being weird. What's going on? After name dropping Okinawa again, he gets to the point. He's going to reopen Miyakido with Amanda's full support. Yeah, they want to make sure that Sam can defend herself because they have to deal with Cobra Kai. But Sam is not ready to get back into action. She walks away and she says, I'm not doing karate anymore, okay? And so Daniel, of course, because he's been gone, is like, what's the deal with her? And Amanda says she hasn't been sleeping well lately. I mean, that's an understatement. She did that thing that only happens in movies where she bolts straight up in bed from a laying position to a sitting position. I don't know if you've ever tried that, but that is almost impossible to do if you've been asleep. Well, I mean, if you have karate abs, anything is possible. That, you know what? I had not considered that. That is true. There's a lot of Pilates going on. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, But that's not karate, but you know. Yeah. It's California, so Pilates and karate could be the same thing. 
they both sound similar. I'm sure in, in California there's at least one Pilates karate studio. While we leave you all to ponder that, let's get back to the scene where Amanda is telling Daniel that Sam can take the day off school, Daniel can take the day off work, she, Amanda, will hold down things at the dealership while Daniel works his Miyagi-Do magic to help Sam get it together. I'll say, I mean, yeah, Amanda's really putting her money where her mouth is with this 100% full support thing. Your dad's going to reopen Miyagi-Do, and I'm 100% on board. A couple episodes, she was very annoyed at having to run the dealership all by herself, but now she's done a complete 180. She's seen the light like the rest of us. She's joined Miyagi-Do. She's gone all in. She's all in. Meanwhile, back at Sweet West Valley High... Yeah, apparently Colin has renamed West Valley High to Sweet Valley High, everyone. I may I may have written that in my notes, yes. The point is, everyone is thrilled that Miguel is back. Yeah, he walks into applause. You know, Hawk comes up to him and says, Cobra Kai is crushing it right now. And they seem thrilled to see each other. It's great to see Miguel still being kid Miguel, even though he's also all grown up now. Yeah, and because Miguel has seemingly become a free agent, he can traffic with both the Cobra Kais and the Miyagi-Dos. He can talk to Hawk, he can talk to Dimitri. He's a a real go-between. So, yeah, he comes up and talks to Dimitri at the lockers, and he's surprised to see this cast on Dimitri's arm. He doesn't know what happened, and Dimitri explains... Proximal radius fracture. And as Yasmin walks up, she also adds... It smells. So clearly she's had some time to smell Dimitri's arm. I put a lemon rind down there to mitigate that. Though she refuses to sign his cast. He says his invitation for Yasmin to sign his cast still stands, but she says it's a hard pass. At least when you used to be a thorn in my tits, you were getting me an A in science. Now you can't even do that because you're defective. As she walks off, Miguel finally gets a chance to ask Dimitri how he broke his arm, and Dimitri says... We've got a lot to catch up on. Meanwhile, we've got another fun montage here. Johnny is now going shopping for a new dojo space. That's right. He's at a gym with a fancy juice bar and he doesn't want the credit check. Johnny immediately goes for the fanciest space that he can find because he wants to make a handshake deal with this guy, clearly trying to unload this fully loaded gym on him. In-house juice bar. Your clients are going to flip for it. Shall we start the paperwork? Oh, who needs paperwork? I'll take it. And I'll need to run the credit. Johnny, of course, cannot afford a handshake at this point. What do you say we just skip all that crap, make a good old-fashioned handshake deal? So then he finds himself in a back room with asbestos. He then goes to the cheaper place, which he could possibly fix up with a little bit of elbow grease. But this new landlord, who seems to be clearly as as gross as Zarkarian, he still wants at least $3,000 for this fixer-upper space. Even though he doesn't even have a juice bar or a steam room, it's just a back room with asbestos. Yeah, the landlord has a really good delivery here. Johnny asks about the juice bar. Where's the juice bar? There was a vending machine down the hall, but some homeless guy crapped in it. The landlord says, this is LA, pal. You want a roof and four walls? It's going to cost you. And of course, even before they cut to the next scene, it's obvious what's going to happen. We immediately cut to Johnny in this open space, talking to this guy about holding his classes out here. And it turns out he's in a public park, so he can really kind of do whatever he wants. Once again, Johnny is way ahead of the curve, as a lot of gyms will be holding all their sessions outdoors very soon. Also in the great outdoors, at the reservoir, Daniel and Sam are sitting on a lake that looks like glass. It's so still. Yeah. Uh, it's impressive that the boat, that the waves from whatever 
apparatus they're using to shoot are not visible, but I guess they might be just close to the shore. It's a great idea to take someone fishing if you're not a Corleone. I know it was you, Fredo. You broke my heart. You broke my heart. That's true. Daniel is doing what his ersatz father, Mr. Miyagi, did with him and taking Sam out on the boat for a little bit of heart-to-heart. Well, and he wanted to catch dinner for tonight. Ostensibly an excuse to catch dinner, but Daniel really just wants to to talk to Sam about what's been going on lately. Daniel's going fishing for some deeper truths. And as he says, The trick to fishing out here is to get the line into the deep water. It's all in the cast. Obviously, this is a metaphor not just for fishing, but for life as he sets up to understand what's really going on with Sam. And for a moment, she looks like she's almost enjoying herself, but then Daniel inevitably turns it to karate. He mentions the last time they were out in the boat, which was with Mr. Miyagi, and while Sam looks like she remembers that fondly, Daniel thinks back. Do you remember the last time we were out here together? It was with Mr. Miyagi. That was the day we taught you how to balance on the bow of the boat. Not that we needed to teach you, we couldn't knock you off to save our lives. We get an interesting bit of trivia, which is that apparently at some point, Mr. Miyagi tried to put Sam through the boat balance trick that he gave Daniel in the first Karate Kid movie, but Sam was too good. Like, she could hold her balance no matter what they did. So that's a fun little twist on the uh, on the old trick. But of course, this walk down memory lane gets a little... Want to give it another shot for old time's sake? A little less fun when Daniel asks Sam if she wants to try the balance trick again, and she knew... Is that why you brought me here? To trick me into doing karate? That he would make it about karate, so their fragile trust is already broken again. That's right. Sam won't be a captive audience to this impromptu Miyagi-splaining. <laughs> Sam is very unhappy with this because, as she told Daniel, she quit karate. But he wants to understand why. He wants to help. He wants Sam to be honest with him. He wants answers. So Sam finally reveals, I froze, okay? I watched my friends get hurt. I couldn't do anything. And now I'm having all these panic attacks. And and I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to defend myself again. It sounds like she has PTSD. And it's about as real as the show gets, and we're here for it. I mean, maybe Sam could use some Twisted Sister. What is that? A Twisted Sister pin? What do you want to do with your life? Oh, couldn't we all? We'll have to put a pin in that because we have to head back over to Sweet Valley High. Where Dimitri is picking up his lunch tray only to be bullied by the newly cobra-ized Kyler. So does that mean he's Cobra Kyler? Fantastic. I am Orson Welles doing the slow clap gif right now. We are the podcast that coined the phrase Miyagi-verse. Mark it down. Cobra Kyler right here. I don't know, man. Hashtag Cobra Kyler. (laughs) Congrats, Colin. I can't wait for you to get shirts made. Cobra Kyler is on the prowl in the cafeteria, terrorizing Dimitri. And, of course, immediately Kyler throws Dimitri's tray in the trash, says something about doing something with Dimitri's cast. Meanwhile, Mitch is walking over to join Hawk in the cafeteria, but because Mitch didn't make the cut in Kreese's new Cobra Kai, Hawk won't let him sit with him. And he has to go sit with Bert and some of the other rejects across the cafeteria. And then, just like an old west cowboy, Miguel practically swings through the double doors of the cafeteria's saloon and makes a beeline straight for Hawk. Miguel is mad as hell because he knows that Hawk has broken Dimitri's arm. And he tells Hawk, I heard about what happened with Dimitri. He says, how could you do that? Hawk replies, 
You should be thanking me for getting revenge on the Miyagi-Dos. Besides, they're the ones who started the fight. That's not what our sensei taught us. He's not my sensei anymore. After everything Sensei Lawrence did for you, you betray him. He betrayed us, Hawk says. But Miguel replies, Look, this isn't you talking. It's crazy. He's got in your head. You can change that if you leave Cobra Kai and join Sensei Lawrence's new dojo. Ashamed, a little bit chastised. Miguel is super disappointed with what's become of Cobra Kai, and he walks off as suspenseful music plays. At two, Cobra Kai. <laughs> at two, Hawk. Meanwhile, at the reservoir. Daniel's putting the gear in the car. He still wants answers, but Sam won't talk. She doesn't think Daniel can help her, so Daniel tries a different approach. You know, he reiterates that he's there for her, and then he asks for a play-by-play. Rather than try to couch all this in karate and fishing metaphors, Daniel just goes straight for the point. He just wants Sam to give him the play-by-play, walk him through what happened. Simple, effective, easy. Speaking of hurdles, this really is... Daniel LaRusso's or hurdle is just needing to get to the point, right? That's true. This is his obstacles, is not being able to do anything directly. He's always got to out Miyagi Miyagi. And yep. really, that's not going to work with people like Sam, his daughter, who just want to relate to him directly as her dad. Exactly. Now that Daniel has found this more direct path, she explains. I felt like, like my heart was going to jump out of my chest. You know, she had psychosomatic issues. I knew there was something wrong even before then. I just thought I could handle it. On seeing Tori. First time seeing her since. And I felt like it would all happen again. Miguel would fall and Robbie would run. And Daniel's really there with her. He has a lot of empathy for her. He's just listening. My brain could feel it starting and so my body just stopped. He says that must have been terrifying. Yeah, Daniel replies by saying, No matter what you're feeling right now, it's nothing to be ashamed of, you hear me? And he comforts her. You're not alone. Yeah, I mean, this is such an important scene because Sam confesses how scared she is, and Daniel doesn't give her an easy answer. We've been waiting for Daniel not to give an easy answer for almost three seasons. Mm -hmm. And he's finally at this point where he can just relate with confidence in his role. It's great to see. And the best thing about this scene is that they really use the skills of these actors and also their chemistry to kind of transcend the father knows bestiness of Daniel's role. Like he's a real dad here and that's cool. Fair. But, but Daniel's going to Daniel. So he does suggest making a quick pit stop on the way home. Wink, wink. A nod's as good as a wink to a blind bat. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? Nudge, nudge, know what I mean? Say no more. Indeed. But we'll have to find out what that is in a minute, because now we have to cut back to Sweet Valley High, where somehow Johnny has snuck in. And this is a very interesting dynamic here, because Miguel (laughs) asks how Johnny got in. A fair question. Johnny says he went to school here, which is very odd, because they must have done some major remodeling on the school since the 80s because as you'll recall from Karate Kid 1 that school was mostly open air outdoor buildings here's my head cannon on this okay so the deal is that Johnny just happened to have been hired as a contractor as they <gasps> rebuilt the school my god so you know he's like he went to school here but really he feels a sense of ownership and so he you know he memorized all the ways in and out because he owns the place right it's layers on layers it's layers on layers on layers before Johnny... he was fishing rats out of that gutter 
he was laying some of the new masonry. That's right. Of Sweet Valley, West Valley High. He was building, installing electricity, laying pipe, and then he even had some time to do the plumbing. That's right. So fanfic authors, go forth. Exactly. <laughs> Don't you want to see Johnny Lawrence's Diet Coke break? Because I sure know That's I do. <laughs> That's some good headcanon. That's some rock-solid headcanon, and I'm here for it. That's right. We give the good headcanon here. Mmm, we certainly do. Oh, they should give Emmys for podcasts. <laughs> so anyway, Johnny has snuck into Sweet Valley High. He approaches Miguel by the lockers. He's on recruitment. Johnny says he's found a sweet spot for the new dojo. Meanwhile, how's recruitment going? Miguel says that all the Cobra Kai kids, they've drunk the Kool-Aid. Johnny doesn't understand the Kool-Aid metaphor because Johnny doesn't watch news and didn't when he was a young person. Fair. But as Miguel explains, Kreese is turning them all into assholes. So Johnny looks over, sees a big bunch of the Cobra Kais together. Meanwhile, Mitch and and Bert and another guy are all sta- are standing off to the side watching Johnny approach the Cobra Kais, right? Because they're rejects now. Okay, listen up. So Johnny's talking to the big group saying he screwed up and he's sorry. He made it about him, and that's not what a sensei does. Like, he explains. I took the easy way out. I gave up. What happened here at this school, it rocked me to my core. So that's why he took the easy way out and gave up. Hawk retorts that, I guess it makes it easier to tell yourself that. But the truth is, you got soft, and we paid the price. When Johnny comes up to Hawk and says, When you came into my dojo, you were softer than a baby's ass. I made you what you are, not Crease. Johnny is the man who made Hawk Hawk. And Hawk looks pensive as Johnny explains this, right? Like Hawk knows that what Johnny's saying is the truth. And Johnny digs in and says, Crease doesn't give a shit about you and about any of you. And he says, So if you want to keep whining about the past, fine. We can play that game. You want to stick with Crease? Go ahead. Don't say I didn't warn you when your life ends up in the shitter. As Johnny concludes his speech, Hawk looks pensive. Some of the other Cobras just sort of make eye contact with one another. Johnny explains they should meet him at Havenhurst and Magnolia at 4 p.m. if they want to save themselves. You better be there, he says. And just to put a punctuation mark on it, as he's walking out, he book dumps a kid purely out of habit. Sorry, kid, old habit. Cut to the All Valley Sports Arena, where we've been several times over this series, and Daniel has brought Sam back to give her a little talk. She thinks it's going to be that thing where he talks about the one time he beat up Johnny Lawrence, you know, his Al Bundy tale, but we're actually not here to talk about that one. He's going to talk about the time that he almost lost to fear. Daniel tells Sam the story of the final match of Karate Kid 3, which is when he squared off against karate's bad boy, Mike Barnes. Wait, you mean Mike Barnes? The bad boy of karate? That's right, Colin, Mike Barnes. Representing the Cobra Kai, the challenger, Mike Barnes! And you, you can dream about me. Karate's bad boy, Mike Barnes. As Daniel explains to Sam, no, this is where I almost lost to fear, we get a series of flashbacks, including Daniel on the mat saying, Mr. Miyagi, it's over. It's over. Forget about it. Mr. Miyagi over him saying, Now time let out. 
So Daniel is explaining that he wanted to run and hide. And it's interesting because Ralph Macchio already delivered some really powerful scenes with Sam earlier, but this is the one where he really seems vulnerable, right? He's not doing the support work. He's the anchor of this scene. As he reflects on this and we fade into Mr. Miyagi, telling him that his best karate was still inside him. It really brings the whole thing full circle and and gives a new gravitas to the Karate Kid Part 3 that I think it's easy to overlook because that moment comes so late in the show, right? But it's really good. Mm -hmm. And Daniel says Miyagi's advice was important, but ultimately he had to be the one who did the thing. I still live with the fear, Sam. We all do on some level. I just try to not let it ever win. He tells Sam that she's the only one who can get up when she's down, but he will always be there to help her, just like Mr. Miyagi was there for him. Daniel's finally figured out he doesn't have to be Mr. Miyagi. He just has to commit the way Mr. Miyagi did. You can see that Sam is really moved by this, like he's reached her because he's finally opened up about himself. Meanwhile, back at Sweet Valley High, Dimitri has taken a knee to go through his backpack when Cobra Kyler walks by, slaps him on the back of the head, and then mimes jerking off. Mm. Assholes. Meanwhile, Yasmin walks up. She's sick of watching them be mean to Dimitri. She asks him if he has a marker, and he gives her his marker kind of cluelessly and asks for his cast and then signs it. And all of those people who shipped this relationship, man, you were bang on the money because on the cast she signs... I love your big dick. There. Much better. Yeah, apparently she loves the big D. I went to school and I got the big D. I got the big D. I got the big D. In this case, his darn huge cast. That's right. So this is an amazing way to connect these two characters because after Yasmin's unfortunate incident at the lake, which we shall not mention yes. <laughs> from season one, Yasmin admits to Dimitri that she knows the cold sting of bullying now, and she's a little more empathetic to his plight. Dimitri's mind is blown. A spark has been sparked that cannot be unsparked, and they are into each other. You know what? I'm very excited for this plot line. Not since Charlie Sheen made out with Jennifer Grey at the end of Ferris Bueller's Day Off has there been a better and more perfect couple. What do you care if your brother ditches school? Why should he get to ditch when everybody else has to go? You could ditch. I'd get caught. So you're pissed off because he ditches and doesn't get caught. Basically. And your problem is you. Excuse me? Excuse you. Nothing like the bad girl and the good boy, or the good boy and the bad girl, or I guess whatever. It's any given day, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, at the LaRusso Man's home dojo, we see Sam breathing deeply, doing kata, Daniel walks in. Wait, we see Sam doing kata. She's there back in action. Her scar is visible. Like, she's still got her scars, right? But she's she's in the zone all the same. And Daniel walks up behind her because and smiles because he knew she would be back. That's right. So Daniel does what Daniel does best, which is tosses Sam a bow staff and they get to sparring. Of course, we all know the significance of the bow staff. Call the bow what uh, Donatello used to use. This is my favorite turtle. I like turtles. So Daniel and Sam do some training. Daniel explains they're going to do cast the rod. To which which Sam is like, of course. It's never just chores, is it? It's always karate training, isn't it? Do you think that Daniel really means it or is Daniel kidding around? When Daniel does what? When he calls it cast the rod. Is it possible for him not to make everything a cute lesson? 
I don't think so. I, I point to my earlier point, which is, at the end of the day, Daniel's going to Daniel, which means he's going to try and do his knockoff Mr. Miyagi routine. But he can laugh at himself a little bit now. Well, here's the thing. It's like, does Daniel want to be a good, empathetic father, or does he want to be an enigmatic Mr. Miyagi? And we can get into it in a little bit, but the, I think the point Daniel's trying to get to is, ¿Por qué no los dos? Exactamundo. So yeah, Daniel's going to Daniel. As he and Sam work on her excellent blocking skills, we cut to the Sepulveda Basin Recreation Area, which is the actual address that Johnny gave his students, and he's giving them the opening talk. He's in, in, the, in the open air, he says, This is day one. We've been here before. Things are different now. They tried to tear us down. He said we needed a roof and four walls. Screw that! This park will be our new dojo. That's right. He got knocked down, but he got up again. I'm never going to keep him down. Johnny's saying a roof and four walls. Screw that. All he needs is an open space with a couple of trees, maybe a bonsai tree. Bonsai tree. To truly do the work that they need to do. <laughs> Any dojo is a dojo as long as it's your dojo. You don't have to have a dojo to be a dojo. Basically what we're getting is Johnny's karate tent revival. He's saying, wherever I may roam, where my hang my hat is my dojo. Exactly. To fall in. No. Indeed. Anyway, as Johnny is getting everything hype and they're ready, they respond, yes, sensei. He says he started Cobra Kai with one nerd. Miguel looks unimpressed. I think the important bullet point here is that Eagle Fang starts out as Miguel, Bert, and Mitch because they were the ones rejected from Cobra Kai, plus an assortment of some new faces who might be more prominent as these episodes go on. Including the kid who Johnny book dropped at Sweet Valley High. That's right. It's nice to see that Johnny's still got that magic. He's book dumping you in one scene and suddenly he's your sensei in the next. We all keep coming back. But this is a step up, Johnny adds. And he says that if they're going to be taken seriously, they need a name that commands respect. A name that elicits power and dominance. Cobras are strong. There's only one animal that could kill a snake. Oh, what name could that be? A name of an animal that can kill a snake. Well, he says there's only one animal that can kill a snake. A mongoose? A real animal, Bert. So there's only one animal that can kill a snake other than a mongoose. Eagles, which do not have fangs. Welcome to Eagle Fang Karate. Well, Johnny then starts tossing out these shirts that he had printed. Didn't have enough money for office space, but he had money to go to the screen printers and get these snazzy shirts made up. And they all are bright red, and they say Eagle Fang Karate with the logo of a fanged eagle right on them. So, you know, Mitch says eagles don't have fangs, so Johnny tosses shirt at him. You know, it's worth noting that John Hurwitz did a Q&A on the way to the Emmys, and we asked... Did you throw around other names for what would become Eagle Fang? And if so, what were the contenders? And now, Paul, here they are, our top 10 
other names for Eagle Fang Karate. Number 10. Mad Mongoose. Number 9. Iron Eagle. Number 7. Badass Vulture. Number 6. Tiger Claw. Number 5. Blood Grizzly. Number 4. Guns and Karate. Number 3. Tyrannosaurus Rex. Number 2. Tyrannosaurus Bear. And now the number one of our top ten other names for Eagle Fang Karate. Rabbit Eagle. Or Boutros Boutros Karate. Love it. So my personal favorite of those is Blood Grizzly. Uh, I like Boutros Boutros Karate, but that's just me. That might be yours. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyway. Anyway, because they're all in... Even though it's a weird-ass name, we see the new members of Eagle Fang donning their t-shirts. Yeah, and I have a sneaking suspicion that maybe they got the right size shirts for everybody. Yeah, Mitch's shirt doesn't seem to fit, and neither does Bert's. Yeah, Bert's is way too big. I think they may have switched shirts at the last second because that was... That is pretty damn funny. Yeah. So, meanwhile, as everyone stands in line in formation, Miguel spots Hawk and two other Cobra Kais walking up. And Johnny assumes that that means that they're there to join and tells the other students to make room. But no, as he turns around, he sees Cobra Kyler as well as Tori walking up behind Hawk. And as they all look on, it becomes clear that this is some kind of standoff. That's right. Yeah, it turns out that this was a ambush as Kreese's new, improved, eviler Cobra Kai has arrived on the scene to taunt Johnny and the gang. Kreese makes Johnny a tempting offer. Join him, and together they'll rule the galaxy as father and son. You're crazy if you think I'm ever teaming up with you again. But just like Luke Skywalker before him, Johnny says he'd be crazy to go back, and adds, Garbage you're feeding them. Shit they're pulling. It's messed up. You know, PolitiFact equals truth on that one. Kreese counters that, I care about my students. They're strong, and they're true fighters. And because he cares, that's the reason that he's tough on them. Yeah. He says that... And they wouldn't make the mistake of showing mercy and ending up in a coma. Hey, Kreese, uh, don't coma shame Miguel. That's not cool. First of all, it wasn't the mercy that got him in the coma. It was the fall down the stairs. And second of all, you can't control being in a coma. That's not cool, man. Yeah, Miguel doesn't think it's cool either. He approaches the middle where Johnny and Kreese are having their parlay. But then Hawk comes up to sort of challenge Miguel's challenge, right? So it's interesting. Like this, Hawk at this point is so back in line with Cobra Kai that he would come to blows with Miguel, probably. But Kreese just doubles down and says, This is it, Johnny. That could be another chance. And Johnny also doubles down and says, Good. So Kreese responds that Johnny has made his choice. And you are going to regret it. That's right. And just like at the beginning of a CSI episode, Kreese puts on his sunglasses, but instead of getting a Who song, he just walks off as the students follow. Yeah, you can see Johnny's face reflected in those sunglasses, and he looks really grim as the end snake comes up. And with that, we've reached the end of our episode. Cobra Kai Season 3, Episode 7, Obstaculos. 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 So many obstaculos this episode. Indeed. Boy, there was a serious missed opportunity in that park scene for Johnny to square off against some white folks doing Tai Chi. And so this is the point in the episode where I turn to Jenny and I say, Jenny, 
What did you think of this episode? Man, this felt like season one again. I loved it so much. You know yeah. why? You know why? I mean, I love all the seasons, but there's so much plot, and they do such a great job, but they we have such short scenes as a result of it because there are so many moving parts to this show, but there's been enough table setting that we could really marinate in some of the challenges that our characters are facing. Well, I think the nice thing about this particular episode, I think the thing that you're noticing that I'm also just now noticing, which is that I don't think the scenes are necessarily shorter. I mean, they may technically be shorter on paper, but the runtime of the episode is still about the right runtime. I think what is they're doing is a lot of editing and a lot of like there's some intense performances and they're giving them the air they need in the editing and in the cuts to really let us kind of simmer in Stam's pain for a minute. Let Daniel have the room to kind of breathe and like be empathetic in a very naturalistic way that we wouldn't really get from any other show really. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like they're really giving everyone the space to do the performances, even Dimitri's stuff in this episode is very heartfelt. And again, you know, there's probably a lot of direction in the line to lines of this script, even though there's not as much dialogue as you would expect. It still doesn't feel shorter or or more compact because everyone's giving it 110% on their performances. Yeah, I think that's true. You can see what is happening in all the different lives of the characters. First of all, we see very little of Greece. We see nothing of Robbie in mm-hmm. this episode. So what is happening is that we're focusing on Johnny and his students and Daniel and his student. And in that process, really gaining a sense of them as protagonists together, even though they have not at this moment united, we see them resolving their conflicts as senseis, as surrogate parents, and and really taking ownership of situations in new ways. Mm -hmm. And just as they've moved beyond those things, the larger overarching plot reasserts itself as Kreese walks in and lays down the gauntlet to Johnny, right? So it ends on a positive note for Daniel, but because we feel their link through these struggles, we can tell that that's coming for all of them, right? right? That's why Daniel and Sam are back, training in the home dojo. Well, they're doing the work here, and from a story and a plotting perspective, this episode gets a lot done, because as we start off the episode with some characters up, some characters down, and then through the course of the episode, Sam starts the episode pretty down, and it ends on a much more hopeful note for Sam. Same for Daniel, same for Johnny, same for Miguel. Like, But then, on the other hand, Hawk, you could start to see some of the turmoil building with him as more and more of his friends are no longer in Cobra Kai, and he's suddenly starting to be the odd person out. We've got Kyler continuing to be a menace. We've got Tori being kind of a a psychic menace to Sam at the beginning of the episode. I don't think we see her in real life until right there at the very end. There's a lot of shifting fortunes in this episode. I said Johnny ends the episode up, but really with when Kreese comes in, you think he's up and then Kreese is right there, like literally lurking right behind a bush to try and bring Johnny's fortunes crashing back down again, either intentionally or not. It's some very interesting turns, and again, 
we're getting late in the season, so this is all setting up stuff that's going to have repercussions and spill off into the finale, and it's going to be very interesting to see how this all unfolds over the next couple of episodes. It is. It is. I I think that, to me, it was really great to see Dimitri and Yasmin, just on this, as a side note, to see them interact again beyond that first moment with the dinosaur model, and to see Yasmin be this fully fleshed out character. And it's interesting because it's a shame, really, that she doesn't get the full redeemed bully treatment, <laughs> to a certain extent, because she's an interesting bully type herself. But I'm glad that we get to see just it, it happen in a simple way. That she's just like, I, bullying is shitty and I don't want to be part of it anymore and I'm going to sign your cast now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's neat. And that sense of restraint, I think, is what makes makes it such a believable scene and such a believable development, right? Of course, opposites would attract. Like I said during the re cap is a pretty amazing turn for Yasmin. I think it's a really interesting turn for both her character and Dimitri's character. And I'm excited to see where, where that leads. Yeah. So I, yeah, I thought it was great. Who do you think the MVP of this episode is? Well, I mean, maybe just cause this discussion is freshest on my mind or maybe it's because we haven't given her MVP yet, but you know <laughs> what? I think I'm going to have to give it to Yaz. Really? Yeah. Her character turn is kind of amazing. It is very hard. The Yasmin of season one is irredeemable. She does some shit that is just like yep. gross beyond compare. She is a major villain, capital V villain in the first season, I think. And they treat her that way and she gets her come up. It's near the end and you think she's thwarted and we really don't see her again until this season. Right. Um, but then to take a character like that, both from a writing and from a performance standpoint, and to say, okay, you know what? We're going to turn this character around. We're going to kind of do some reclamation on her and make her more sympathetic. That is an amazing turn. It's not a turn that every you know creative staff would think of. And so props to the Cobra Kai writing team and to, of course, props to Annalisa Cochran for turning in a, a great performance and taking this character and still like she's still giving us like the kind of stuck upness, the the elitism of Yasmin. But now she's kind of bending it to a more sympathetic end. And I think that's a very difficult turn for any performer. So, yes. Definitely uh, props to her for being able to to do that effectively. I see that choice. I see that choice. I, sh- I She was also on my short list of two for MVP. For me, the MVP is Mary Mauser. And I will tell you why. I think that, you know, Mary Mauser is Sam. I, I think that it's very hard to show trauma on a TV show like this, really any, without it becoming kind of like a fetishized, like over the top, deal and looking at you homeland hey (laughs) but it's true but you know in this episode it's really uncomfortable to see sam suffering you know it's hard and and you just want these scenes not to have to happen because you don't want to see a character who's so pivotal to the show go through that you know that it hurts her you know that it hurts daniel you know it's just a shame and it's not like Sam did anything to deserve it, right? It's not like with Yasmin where there's a sense of balance. All right, well, she got hers. You know, it's it's just, it's terrible. And so, you know, she or at least if she was a part of the situation that put her in this state, 
it was by no means her intention, right? So she does a fine job of conveying that and then coming back in a way that is believable. The obstacle, pun intended, that, that the team behind Cobra Kai face in doing this is kind of like with Miguel's injury, right? Like Cobra Kai isn't a show with the bandwidth or the space to look into a health journey, right? Right. So, you know, like I said about Miguel, and with Sam's PTSD situation, also a health journey, you know, they had to do a whole lot of work in a very short amount of time. And they pulled it off in the world of Cobra Kai. And I I think it's great because it could have fallen flat. And I think even though it's shorter, and thankfully so because it's hard to watch, they sell it even better than Johnny and Miguel sell some of their scenes, which is Mm -hmm. impressive. I think that's a very good point taken, especially when you frame it as being in the world of Karate Kid, right? In the world of Karate Kid, there's no karate challenge. There's certainly no physical challenge that can't be overcome with a good montage, as, as we alluded to earlier in the episode. But you know what? Mental health, mental health can't always be solved with a montage, well, my my mental health can be solved with the montage of somebody else. <laughs> it's true. But I've never solved Some my... Some of the montages uh, <laughs> in the Rocky movies are, are pretty good for your mental health. I but, will agree. But unless I wind up as a character in Schmigadoon, I'm not going to overcome my own mental health problems through a montage. Fair. But again, it's taking something that very much is a real world issue that deserves talking about and framing it in the fun, sun-baked world of the karate kid valley and kind of putting that spin on it and it still works Mm -hmm. and i i think that's really something worth applauding for sure a tip of the hat to the casting team for bringing on mary mauser and for recognizing her chemistry with ralph because that that was those are some good scenes Mm -hmm. that really the pivot from those scenes comes not only in her coming clean in a realistic way but also to the fact that Daniel finally comes clean uh, and not in a sensei capacity, but in a dad capacity. And Mary Mauser has the ability to sell Ralph Macho's performance of that. Well, I think we've talked all that we can talk about this particular episode. Oh, I could talk for hours and hours. I know you can. Fortunately, we've got hours and hours left to go in the season to plow through. So I think we will go ahead and end it here. Just a reminder, everyone rate and subscribe rate and subscribe Uh, subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice whether it's overcast whether it's spotify whether it's the apple podcast app they're all good numbers are numbers that's that's how it works but the thing that can really help us are reviews and good ratings on those apps that will definitely help goose our profile and push us to be featured when you do searches Uh, of like Cobra Kai and Karate Kid on those apps. So that will definitely help us out. You can follow us to be a part of the conversation on Twitter and Facebook. I post stuff on the Facebook and Jenny, you were following along on Twitter while the Emmys were going on. I was part of the Cobra Kai tweet up of the Emmys. That's right. It was very good. With the fandom tweet. Yes. Yes. We're always down to clown and talk about Cobra Kai on social media. So definitely find us wherever we are and we will holler back. But for now, I think that will do it. Join us next time when our episode will be Cobra Kai Season 3, Episode 8, The Good, The Bad. And the the badass. badass. Until then, I've been Colin Kennedy. And I have been Jenny Carlson. 
and we'll see you around the Miyagiverse. See you around the Miyagiverse. This podcast has been produced and hosted by Colin Canada and Jenny Carlson. Our music is by Chepo. You can find us at Karate Kid Pod on Twitter and wherever you download podcasts.